before starting the show, I just wanted to inform you that the podcast award nominations have begun. So in order to be nominated, we need your help. So please visit podcastawards.com. Scroll down a bit until you see the categories where you can nominate different podcasts. We're hoping to get nominated for the culture slash arts in general categories. It's really straightforward. Just enter Nightlock Podcast as the podcast title. And then you know our website, nightlockpodcast.com for the URL, obviously. So to be nominated, we need a lot of people to nominate us. So use any computer or cell phone tablet you have because the thing is, you can only nominate us one time per device. So really, use every um, device you have to nominate us. Steal your friends' advices, your teachers, everything. Um, you know, tell everyone you know to nominate us. Um, to be nominated would be such an honor, and not just an honor for us, but as you as listeners that have been with us since the beginning or just joining us now. Um, we really would appreciate it. It'd be great to be nominated. We're really looking forward to it, and we're voting like crazy, nominate, not voting, nominating. So we'd really love it if you could nominate us. Again, it's just podcastawards.com. Scroll down, nominate us for culture and arts and general category. So easy. It'll take you two seconds, uh, and we'd really, really appreciate it. So thank you for all your support. Introducing Nightlock, a Hunger Games podcast. Welcome to episode 34 of Nightlock Podcast, where we cover anything and everything related to the Hunger Games franchise through news stories, book analysis, fan fictions, related music, product reviews, as well as many other fun segments. My name is Matt. Ryan's not here, and I'm Kira. Um, On this episode, we'll be analyzing chapter 8 of Catching Fire, along with our regular segments, and we are bringing back our fan fiction follower segment and our Dark Duel segment. Um, So this is going to be a fun-packed episode. Uh, we have yet again more casting stories. I think we've had casting stories for the past what, like two months, maybe. Yeah, well, it's good. So like we're getting everything out. I'm we're guessing these are going to be the the last ones. Like we won't have any more. That's my guess. But I think so. the Lionsgate might have even said that. I don't remember. But anyway, Matt, continue on with our announcements. Uh, before we get into the show, we want yeah, I said we want to make two small announcements. Uh, first is that we have a new logo. Um, so you guys can see that on the iTunes store. It was, our first logo was the one with the Mockingjay, which had that, like, that was our, like, that was like back yeah. in the day. Uh, and then we switched to Nightlock Podcast with the red Nightlock berries <laughs> in the background. And then, which apparently um, is incorrect, but. Yes. So we, and also we want to, we included a new one. Uh, we mm-hmm. want to thank Mel for sending us this one. Mel Bandera. Yes. It is a. It's sort, of, it's sort of the same logo, just a little bit toned down, a little bit darker. A little Which, bit of a facelift for yeah, Nightlock. Basically. It looks, it looks better. So. Yeah, and if you're um, interested in getting any graphic design done or anything, she's definitely the person to go to. So um, yeah. email us, because she's really great. She designed, so. if you go on her website, she designed that big banner for the us. Header. The header. The header. That's yeah, it. there you go. Um, so we want to thank her so much for doing that for us. Yeah, and it was a long time ago, but hey, you know. Yeah, you know what? So we want to thank her, because it's yeah. it kind of like... Puts us out there like this is that like podcast we can think of it. This it's is us. Way. This is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we also added a new feature to our website, so you can now sign up for email notifications when we release a new episode or make a new announcement. 
Which is not often, but, you know, once in a while. (laughs) So this is a feature that many of you fans requested or to stay updated on the podcast. So, again, if you subscribe to the show, you will receive an email when we release it. Well, not to the show, to to this specific widget. Whatever it's called. Okay, Um, just to be clear. So you guys can just go to our website, which is netlifepodcast.com, or look at the right-hand sidebar, and you'll see a box uh, where you can sign up. So, again, you guys can just visit netlifepodcast.com to sign up today for the notifications. And in case you guys don't want to sit on Twitter and wait for Kira, because I don't post on Twitter. Right. To do updates, so. I really haven't done much on the Facebook page. Well, I don't know. Uh, I post once in a while, but it's Twitter's where it's at, you know. That's where we have 2,000 followers. Facebook is, like, kind of a low, embarrassing number, so. (laughs) All right, well, we'll jump right into the show with news, with Pan and Post, where we cover the most major news stories in the Hungry Games franchise since our last episode. So as we said, we have a few new casting announcements. That include Blight, Woof, and Cecilia. So Bobby Jordan will be playing District 7's Blight. So Bobby... Jordan. Jordan, sorry for the pause, um, is known for Zombieland, which he was with Woody Harrelson in that. The Watch, We Are Marshall, and My Super Psycho Sweet 16, which I watched that, actually. That was on MTV once. Was it good? It was weird. There was this one part where... There was a sushi cake. It was like sushi made of cake. Or wait, no. Cake Reverse that. Cake made of sushi. It was just like tears of it. And so this girl was coming out on rollerblades. And as she's rolling out, there's a guy with like a, I don't know, like an axe or something that's just out there. And she just rolls right into the axe. Her head gets cut off. And then the stuff goes everywhere at the sushi. And then the girl goes, my sushi cake. <laughs> it was really funny. So, anyway, interesting movie. You should watch that with friends. Actually, not watch that with friends. It's interesting. Um, yeah, so he did stunts in those movies, so you wouldn't recognize him in any roles, but he was um, a stunt double and everything. Um, but he has been an actor in The Blind Side, We Are Marshall, um, The Sweatshop, and now Catching Fire. So he has had some experience more in stunts than actual roles, but um, I think he's like... Pretty good-looking guy for the part. You I know, agree. He's kind of, like, serious, you know? Well, you really don't know Blight as a character. Either. Right. He's just kind of a name. And there was a ton of other on new casting, but it was, like, Tribute Boy or something. I was like, okay, we're not going that crazy because, you know, we really don't know them. John Casino will play District 8's Woof. So John Casino has been an actor and stuntman appearing in many films, including Titanic and the unusual, or sorry, the usual suspects. So Titanic is a pretty big movie to have on your belt. Um, was he a stunt double or was he an actor? Um, I'm not sure. Well, Let's click his IMD. I should. Let's see, when was Titanic? What year? Do you remember? Oh, God, I have no idea. Probably. It was 90-something, no, right? 98? Maybe? Yes, 98. Oh, I'm good. Oh, 97. Yeah, he was a stunt guy in Titanic, which I'm sure there was a lot of them, and they're all falling off the Titanic, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's had a lot. He's been in 57 movies as a stunt double or a stunt man. He's got guts. And as an actor, he's been in. Do you recognize any of these movies as big time things? And he has been in um, 15 titles um, as an actor, none of which really stand out. But he has had some experience. And he is kind of an older gentleman. And our last casting announcement, probably for Catching Fire, I'm I'm guessing. 
Hopefully. Um, hopefully. Because <laughs> I can't think of who else we're really going to cast. Oh, but I do have something to say. But remind me who else they're going to cast. Elena Sanchez will play District 8's Celia. Right? Celia? Cecilia. Cecilia. I'm sorry. And she is much younger. She looks like, what, maybe 30s, Matt? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just it guessing. Tells you what day she was born. What, her what day? Her what birthday. day she was born? Doesn't it? Probably somewhere. Um, so she's known for, most recently, 21 Jump Street, Contraband, Looper, and Trespass. Um, oh my gosh, she's going to be in Beautiful Creatures. That's a book I recommended on the show before, even though I haven't read the whole thing. Right up to page 91, but it was pretty good up until then. She played um, a stunt double or stunt woman in um, 21 Jump Street, and she will in um, Beautiful Creatures. These are all stunts, wow. And as an actor, she's been in four titles, including as Tech Warrior, Texas Chainsaw, 3D, Honeymoon, and Thrill Kill. Um, Yeah, so... I mean, obviously, for these people, we're not really going to have, you know, big names filling these small roles that probably won't get even get a line. Um, right. So, anyway, so, talking about if this is the last casting announcement, they haven't cast Annie. I so don't think she's even... Is she even in the second book? Her voices. But what I'm thinking is we've seen a what set. Her, what is her voice in the book? Um, the Jabberjays. When Finnick runs, she, he hears Annie screaming help or something like that. So she, her voice is in there. So we saw the Justice Building for, we guessed District 4 because there was like kind of beach near it. Um, so I'm thinking that they're going to film the, um, the reaping for District 4 because Finnick is such a main character in this book and the rest of them. He's going to be in the rest of the series. Like the one book that's left in the series. Yeah, but there's two more movies after <laughs> Catching Fire, so. That's right. Um, so not particularly. But anyway, um, so if if they have the District 4 reaping in the movie, they have that scene, which we don't see in the book, but again, like the movie takes on multiple perspectives, not just Katniss, which is interesting to us fans. Will they have, they have to have Annie in there because she gets chosen, not chosen, picked, and then Mag steps forward. Yeah. So if we're seeing the reaping at all, of course we're going to see that clip, so they have to cast her. Unless we just kind of see, like, a flash of, you know, brown hair, and then we just see Mag step up, that they don't really show the face, they kind of do an artistic perspective off of it. It could be like a uh, extra. Yeah, it could be, like, an extra, and then they'll, like, cast her for the next movie. Because they have to do a good job casting her, just like everyone else. Um, yeah, she's got to work with Sam, so. Yeah, <laughs> so. Okay. All right. So our next news story is We the Kings announced on Twitter that they're working on a track for the Catching Fire soundtrack. A follow-up tweet from We the Kings frontman, Travis Clark, reads, Just wrote a song for the Hunger Games soundtrack. It sounds effing amazing. He didn't specify it's for Catching Fire, but obviously her name's already out, so he's just not specifying or whatever. So we'll listen to a clip um, from one of their most popular songs, Chuck Yes, Juliet, from We the Kings, um, just to get a little taste of kind of what their music is about. And oh. Not about, but just what their kind of genre everything is. Oh, okay. So let's just take a little listen. Don't ever look back. Don't stare at 
So I'm wondering if there will be some of the artists will come back to do the CD. So like you have We the Kings and maybe like Punch Brothers or Taylor Swift. We'll we the back. Kings weren't on the first CD. No, though. but like We the Kings is new, but maybe like Maroon mm-hmm. Five will come back and do a song. Or yeah, Taylor Swift was the only one that did two songs. Yeah, I think that Taylor will come back because like she's she wants to get on board of this new franchise and all this yeah. hype and everything. You yeah. know, because I mean, The Hunger Games now is the best-selling series on Amazon, just past Harry Potter a couple weeks ago or so, oh, yeah. which is pretty cool. Fantastic. You know, thought I'd integrate that into somewhere into the episode. Excellent. All right, so yeah, I, I wonder probably. I, don't I would know. guess I so. I mean, it'd be nice to see. Like, yeah, definitely not all the same yeah. artists. Like, that would not be good. But, like, you know, we have new artists like We the Kings. Yeah. 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 I th- hopefully they do a good job, like, last, like the last episode. Because, not episode. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, The last CD. Because I thought that was really good. I listen to that CD all the time. Like, okay. I really like that CD. With the uh, soundtrack or the... Uh, no. Um, the, compa- the, uh, compa- the companion CD, CD, District 12 and Beyond. Yeah. I don't have the CD. It's on my iPod, but... Yeah. Yeah, I have a copy of it. From you, but anyway, really good CD. I hope they do it justice for the second one. All right. right. Well, speaking of Catching Fire, last week of September, the Hunger Games Catching Fire crew descended upon Swan Manor in Atlanta to film a capital party scene for three days. What do you mean? No, this is no. I might have shown. We might have talked about a picture or something. Yeah. But this is like more information. No, it was a it, it was a different house. I think it was a different picture. I can probably just see that. Anyway, pictures indicate that additional work on the set was occurring. Swan Manor has a beautiful large front lawn, and a couple of staircases are being extended for the party area further down. So I'm guessing it's going to be, like, outdoor party, and um, I wonder if it's going to be the party that we talked about last episode yeah, on the show, Chapter 7. No, not that. No? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that, that party. That's the only party she goes to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that one. Yeah, yeah. She's only goes to one party. Um, so, on location vacation, on location vacations, <laughs> I thought I messed up, it's just a weird name, reports that the scene will use some custom-made costumes. Interesting enough, this includes one made of bricks. How can you have a costume made of bricks? I don't understand. costume made of meat, Lady Gaga. Yeah, I was going to say, it was like pulling a Lady Gaga. Um, so, just more information on them filming and in Atlanta, um, yeah, so just a little tidbit for you. So the next news story, um, which is another stat for you guys, according to thenumbers.com and comicbook.com, the Hunger Games DVD is the top-selling DVD of 2012. It's pretty astounding. Um, it sold over five, is that five million copies, over five million copies, sorry. And so it surpassed... Breaking Dawn Part 1 to get to this spot. So now Breaking Dawn Part 1 is in um, slot 2. So lots of stats and stuff that, you know, we won't get to each individual DVD sold. 93, over $93 million. Yeah. In sales. That's a good point to make, yeah. All right. Well, I did the news, so why don't you take it away, Matt, with Chapter 8? Chapter 8, okay. Of Through the Eyes of Katniss Everdeen, where we analyze chapters and all that good stuff. So bear with me, I'm a little opinionated in this. Wait, uh, we're going to take off. What happened? I'm just yeah, no. about to get there. Sorry. Oh, my. You win. Uh, all right, so chapter seven left off with um, Katniss going into the square and um, seeing that Gail was on the uh, post in the square getting whipped by uh, Romulus Thread, who is the new head peacekeeper. Right. 
Um, so at the beginning of the chat of the chapter, it starts off with Katniss running up to uh, protect Gail, trying to save him. And um, I want to ask you this question. Well, it's okay. sort of like a two-part question. Uh, it says in the book that she quotes, "I throw out my arms to protect as much of his broken body as possible, so there's nothing to deflect the lash. I'll take the full force of it across the left side of my face." So, uh, why does she always have to feel the? Why does she have? Why does she feel the need to protect Gail? That's the first question. Okay. The second question is, why can't she? Why can't she ever protect herself? Why does she always have to feel the need to protect others? I feel like a lot of main characters have this. I want to say flaw, because for the most part it is. I mean, sometimes it's good, but Especially like overall. You see it in Harry Potter. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Harry Potter, um, uh, The Maze Runner, which you haven't read yet. Oh, I should. But um, in The Maze Runner, Thomas has the same quality. Um, a lot of main characters have that, just otherwise the story would be kind of boring, I guess, because then they wouldn't always be sticking their neck out for other people. Yeah, but sometimes it's good to have a character that doesn't always devote themselves to other people. I think it would be more interesting. That's the protagonist, and every single character in a book, main character in a book has to be a protagonist. Right, but I think most characters are, and these kind of, not to say that The Hunger Games is like, you know, mainstream, but I think at this point it is kind of mainstream, like Harry Potter is, Game of Thrones, um, Mortal Instruments, all those series are kind of now mainstream, that they're always feeling bad that other people are taking the fall for them or like anything, because if you had a character that like didn't care, then I feel like it wouldn't be as interesting, and then you would just get mad at the character all the time. Yeah. yeah. You um, don't have to raise your hand. There's only two of us. Um, I disagree. Okay. I think that having a character that doesn't care about other people would give a new perspective to a book. Well, that would be like Hamish, but he's not the main... Hamish, I mean, he, he does Hamish care. Hamish cares. Everybody's not until Katniss and Peeta came along. From, from losing his family and everything... That's true. To Katniss and Peter, that whole right, chapter of his I life. I think also having a character that doesn't stick his neck out for other people can also rely this whole big like thing on a backstory, relay the backstory of that character, why they came to that point. I think it'd be much more interesting. We'd learn more about a character if they were so like self-absorbed and so closed off from other people. Can Which, you think of a character off the top of your head? Not to put you on the spot. Um, if you can't, it's okay. I'm trying to think, too. Um... um but even, like, Bella in Twilight is like that, too. That's not... Bella she she, she feels bad. Bella, no, she feels bad. That's why she does stuff for other people. <laughs> right. She feels she feels guilty about people... Right, so it's, like, another yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah, it's yeah. Harry Potter. Um, I'm trying to think of one that isn't, but that's hard. Yeah, um, there's so many books. Because uh... <laughs> there's so many books. <laughs> I'm trying to think of every book I read. I don't um, know. We can uh, come back to it if yeah. we think of something. I mean, you guys think of something, too, but... Yeah, let's turn it in. Say that. I think it would be more interesting to have, like, an antagonist perspective in a book. But I think you just get so mad at the character that it would be hard to but get that's through. So bad if that's the good thing of it. To be you that get, invested, emotionally yeah, invested. Yeah, like, you're getting, like, you're feeling the characters, like... Like, and, like you're getting into the book, like... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's just... I, I just hate reading books where, like, there's always about the person. It's always, yeah. Always about the good person. And essentially... You want to see it from, like, Snow's perspective or something. Exactly. I think it would just... It would be better so that we can see, like, both sides. Even if it was, like, two books. Yeah. Like, one with the protagonist. Like, a companion and, and of... To exactly. throw another Twilight reference in. Like, Midnight Sun was supposed to be a... Like, Twilight, but in Edward's perspective. That would be something I would be interested in if one of these books was from yeah. Snow's perspective. I would say Mockingjay would be the best from his perspective. Could, I actually could write 
an essay, like I could see myself writing an essay about how snow, like his whole you could like, be your college essay. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Like his whole inner thoughts and how that all like yeah, gives it would be interesting. Of a dictatorship, like that would be really interesting to write about. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my spiel. Okay, that's oh, an that interesting part. topic. Okay, I like that. Um, and so Romulus thread it goes. When she's protecting Gale, Romulus um, turns his attention towards Katniss. Hamish comes out of the crowd and um, he t- uh, pulls Katniss out. He looks up at Katniss and says, oh, excellent. He hand- His hand locks under my chin, lifting it. She's got a photo shoot next week modeling wedding dresses. What am I supposed to tell her size? So she's got to be, she's got to cut her cheek and start to swell. Right. And um, so Romulus, From being whipped. Right. To- and so Romulus thread says... She interrupted the punishment of a confessed criminal. And Hamish, they sort of go on this uh, bicker and says, like, Hamish says, I don't care if she blew up the blasted justice building. Look at her cheek. Think that will be camera ready in a week. And, um, again, I'm just reading the dialogue here to get to the point <coughs> that I'm actually saying. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. Sorry, we both have cold, so it's going to be yeah. going to be quite an hour. Um, and so Thread goes, that's not my problem. Hamish and rebuttal. No, well... Well, it's about to be a friend. The first call I make when I get home is to the capital. So, I think this is actually kind of, I don't know if it's ironic, it's sort of more of an interesting concept. Okay. Um, he, even though he even talks about how he wants to, like, defy the capital and wants to end the capital, he's sort of using the capital to his own personal gain. How so? Because he's saying that um, the first call I make when I get home is to the capital. So, like, he's going to call the capital that thread made a mistake, like her Katniss, and so the capital's going to go... But how is he using that towards his advantage? If he's calling to the capital, how is that helping him? It's just pointing out that that Thread was... That Thread hit Katniss. I mean, it's really all Katniss's fault that she got a scrape... Not scrape, that's an understatement. Got a big (laughs) welt on her face, that it's her fault, but at the same time, it's like... It just proves my point how Katniss has to stick her nose in every single... Right, that proves that point, but I don't understand the Hamish thing. Explain a little more. I think I was just talking about, like, how he's... Using the capital to his advantage. Like, he's... I I think he... That, like, he has the connection to the capital, so he's like, oh, Thread's not being... Well, I'm higher than you. I'll call the capital on you. That kind of thing? He's, like, being intimidating. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. All right. I don't think saying he used to his advantage is correct terminology or anything. So, Peter shows up, too, with uh, with Katniss, and he links arms with her, and he says, and she's my fiancé, so if you want to get to Gail, expect to go through both of us. So Katniss finally says, maybe we're it. She thinks, the only three people in the district who can make a stand like this. Um, Two points I want to make. Okay. Can I go first? Yeah. Um, It's interesting to see the dynamic between Peta and Gail, because they're both, they both love Katniss, or like her, whatever word we want to use. So for Peta to stand up and say, you know, like he's supporting Katniss, but at the same time he's protecting Gail and supporting Gail. Now, the roles were reversed. Do you think Gail would do the same and, like, stand up and say? And it just shows so. that Peter's the bigger person. That's the answer I was looking for. <laughs> I think that just shows that Peter yeah. really is the bigger person. And yeah. Gail's just so, he is more, way more self-absorbed than Peter is. Yeah. He's not completely self-absorbed, but definitely more so than Peter. Yeah. The other point I wanted to make was how you were saying that Katniss is thinking how they might be the only three in the district, meaning Hamish, Katniss, and Peta. Yes. To make a stand or make a difference or anything. Yes. Oh, damn it. 
Are you serious? You've got to be kidding me. I, I had, I like kept thinking of what you said instead of like what I thought. Maybe this will jog your memory. My okay. point was this, was that I don't believe Katniss is one of the people that would be able to like take a stand against okay. the district. I completely disagree with that all the time. Katniss is not willingly going to take a stand. She needs someone to push her. She needs like someone to Well, she to took a stand her. for Gail. She did because she did that. She did that as like a reflex. Because she, she has a care. She cares about him. But you're saying if that was a like, child that she didn't know, she wouldn't do the same thing. I don't think so. I, I think. I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's like if you were to take like in a like a government position, like you have president, vice president, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Candace would be a vice president, or she would be like a co-president, or just and let the main president do everything. Yeah. And she would just follow them, and then when something she needs to do, she needs to be pushed. Toward because it. she doesn't have good leadership skills. I really don't think she does. I think no. she's just trying to do. She does things because that. She is forced to. She doesn't willingly do things. Mm-hmm. Like, she did the not like berries because she was forced to do the not like berries because she thought that this would be the only way to save her and Peta. Yeah. Is that, like, something she willingly did? Does that make sense? I mean, she she could have just, I just I really killed don't him. like how people in this book portray Katniss. And the characters portray yes, Katniss. Yes. Like, the people in the district that all look up to her. Because she defied the capital and that but kind see, of thing. But see, they don't know her personally. So it's like looking yeah. at a celebrity. It's like, wow, they're amazing. They're perfect. But you you really don't know them. You know how much they let you know. Okay? Yeah. So Katniss's role is not to be a leader, not to make decisions. She kind of just goes with the flow where she has to make right. split-second decisions. Right. It's not big decisions that's affecting exactly. a lot of people. And it's like if... When she was supposed to, to go around the victory tour and tell people she was madly in love with Peta, that's why she pulled out the berries. It's sort of like Hamish told her to do that. Right. She didn't think of it on her own. Because she needs help. She can't. She's not self-sufficient in exactly. a lot of ways. And that's why she shuts down when she's asked to be the Mockingjay in the third book, because that means that she's going to be the ideal leader. And then, but, but not then necessarily. Even, but even then, Gail tells her what to do. Or President Coyne. Or, or Hamish. Exactly. She's always being... <laughs> she's always being controlled by somebody. She doesn't like it. She doesn't like being controlled. She likes to be independent. But she doesn't like to be a leader either. Same yeah. time she needs it. It's just. I agree. I think she's her role, as we've talked about before, and we will talk about again in Mockingjay probably yeah. every episode, that she is the face of the rebellion. She's in the commercial, the the propos. She's in, you know, she's going around the districts. She's the face. She's not the brains behind it. That's no. more BT, no, that's exactly. Coin, that's Hamish. And, but no one knows that. Everyone perceives that she is... Right, but the they use that to their advantage. The yeah. So Exactly. So that makes the capital think that they're only out for her because she's doing everything. And if she dies, not a big thing. She's a martyr, you know? Exactly. I mean... That'll I mean, just I fuel them even more. She's a big character. It'd be horrible if she died. But <coughs> at the same time, they would still win the rebellion. Because they would still go into oh, yeah. the capital. They would still fight. Because it might that, have even been easier if she was killed. Do you think so? I think so. Because they were, Because she's so like emotionally distraught and such a wreck that she can't yeah. handle anything. Especially in the third book. After she loses PETA and like she goes through all this like mental incident, like depression, all that good stuff. Um, she just... Good <laughs> well, stuff. It's not good stuff. It's bad stuff, but it's... Interesting. Do you have to pause? No? Okay. Um, it's just like... And she, it was such a drag to have her, to like always think, always think about Katniss, like what she's doing, how she's thinking, how she's feeling. Is she gonna? We can't trust her by herself because who knows what she's gonna do? She's gonna go. It would have been easier actually if they killed her off and said that the Capitol did it. I actually think that they should have. 
Even she says in the book that she should have died in the arena and they should have taken PETA. Right, but even like when she came it's, out and she's in District 13, they should have just slipped or something and killed her. Or like in action, had one of their own people shoot her because it would have fueled the rebellion. Everything would have been faster. They wouldn't have to deal could, with Katniss. They could have made you look like the Capitol killed her. We're not saying that we wanted Katniss to die, but no, it would have been interesting. Yeah. It would have been good on the rebel the side, thing. not right. the Capitol side. Right. And But then again, that would change the whole dynamic <coughs> of the book because essentially right. the book is surrounded around her. So if she died... We'd like end. It'd be like mid sentence. It could be that a book actually does end like that. Really? I, for, I forget. Mrs. O'Connor talked about it last mm. year in English. She said there was a book where just like the person was talking, and then all of a sudden they died, and it just—that's cool. I like that. Had no ending. That's um, a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it changes like the whole aspect of the book. Like, essentially, we don't. Katniss is sort of like a human, like the ideal version of a human being. Like, really? She, I really think, she goes through these stages, I think, of being like, an independent, her depression, that's ideal? An independent person, well, no, she's not the ideal, sorry, that was a bad word. Yeah, it was like, ideal. Not, not ideal human being, but like, uh, like, a person, like an like, average Joe. Like, taking all the people and putting them in one person. Yeah, so like an average Joe. Exactly, so like, she goes through like, the phase of being the ideal independent woman, and then going through, like the depression phase, and like she's, well, I mean, first, first she's, She's bringing home the bacon and everything, exactly. and then she's like, she's a fighter, and then she starts being a lover. It's kind of like, you know, she goes through like multiple these stages. People. She goes through multiple people. What is that called? Split personality disorder, right? Matt, no, uh, no, no. That, no. Okay, sorry. No, not not appropriate in this case. Okay. Good try, but I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Can you cut that out? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, so. Okay. Our little rant. So, in order to prove that statement that she's not, like, the actual leader, I think more of, like, um, when they're taking Gail on, they don't have a stretcher to take Gail back to the house. So, um, she says that the uh, woman who owns a shop, um, old woman at the clothing stall sells us the board she serves as a countertop, as a stretcher. To put oh, Gail okay. Um, Which, I'm surprised. They must have given her, given her a lot of money. I think so. But um, I just find it interesting that I think Katniss isn't the only person that's going to be part of this or that. I think District 12 as a whole is wants to rebel, obviously. But they need someone to stir that. They need a catalyst in this solution. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so it's just sort of like they're waiting for someone. They think it's Katniss. But mm-hmm. I really think the actual person is going to be PETA. I really think that Peter should have been the one to do this. To do what? To be the leader of. Oh, to be like the face of the rebellion, and not only the face, but the actual yes. leader. Yes, I think he would have been. I think he would have. Actually, I but think he, he should have been the smart. face. I think he should have been the face because he's so good at public speaking. Yeah, but people identify with Katniss much more. That they can they can relate to her and they they see her more as a role model rather than Peta. Even though they should look at Peta as a role model. Because I think he's, like, I look up to him more as role model than Katniss. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. Um, <laughs> there, uh, she describes how this whole thing happened, how Gail got to that point, how he went to Cray's house thinking that since Cray praised the most for a wild turkey, he stumbled upon a thread in the house. Thread noticed the turkey. Gail couldn't really, like, defend himself because he had the dead turkey in his hand. Um, so, 
It says that he was brought to the square, forced to plead guilty to his crime, and sentenced to a whipping to be carried out immediately. The, uh, what I noted... So this is all just background information we missed? Yeah. Okay. The one thing I noted was that the whipping, like, this is supposed to be a utopian post-apocalyptic... Post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic era. So it's like futuristic, they have hovercrafts, and they have, like, all these different types of technology. But yet they're... The form of punishment is a whipping. That is interesting. Like, that's what I noticed. It's like, they take, like, an old-fashioned form of punishment in a more advanced futuristic society. Mm-hmm. So that, I, I just find that's really interesting. How it's just sort of, like, they still have those forms of, like, history in it. How it's still, like, a more common thing used. That makes us question, like, in the future, like, the way future, are we still going to have these forms of punishment, like, the death penalty... And the death penalty, how they use, um, they inject a um, chemical inside the blood. Are we going to do something like that? Or is it still going to be practiced? Or are we going to be using um, fire scout, which they don't use much anyway, um, is actually abolished. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like those things, like old practices still going to be initiated in the future when there's more technological advancements and there are other ways to punish somebody. But like a whipping is cheap. Because you just buy a whip and you could keep using it. Right, that's true. And it's brutal. And you can still have the person stay alive in most cases. Right. I just I just find I mean what else, what can you think of? I mean, if you just if you just think about it, because they're two different forms of punishment and torture, like Gail's getting whipped, but in the third book, Peter got his memory erased and was Tampered with. Tampered with and then uh Johanna was electrocuted in water. Right. So. Well, that that's kind of, that's probably something we can do today. Electrocuted in water. Yeah. That's, right. we could definitely uh, okay, do that. Throw a hairdryer about... in there, it's all good. <laughs> okay, but... then, then talk about PETA and Gales. Two different forms of punishment. I mean, it could be that their locations, PETA's in the capital, Gales in District 12. Right, but the, the point of PETA's was to hurt Katniss. Right, right. So it was a, a mental way of hurting Katniss, or well, and Peta at the same time. But do you think that this was also <coughs> this could also have been a mental way to hurt Katniss too? Oh yeah, definitely. Like tear I mean, her down. This, I mean, Peta's was planned that they wanted to hurt Katniss, but maybe well, they Gale they, they were probably planning too because they know that Katniss and Gail go in the woods, so they were probably just lurking around waiting for him to come out and then caught him. Yeah, that could be true. So I I think that's probably what they did. But another reason for the way they um, were hurting Gale and torturing him with the whip was so everyone could watch and see that, look, you do something bad, this is what we're going to do to you. It's kind of a threat, like, kind of the same concept of them taking their children. You do something bad, we're taking your children. Like, we have the power over you. We're going to make you feel small. Right. Which kind of works against them in the long run because then they build up anger and everything and try and retaliate and have revenge. But as for the old and new technologies, we see in the districts there really isn't much new technology. It's all right. um, very old-fashioned stuff, like from where we are in society today with our technology. And in the capital, it's all high-tech stuff. There, the capital does bring in certain things, like when um, they're going to the reaping, they hit their, they get a little droplet of blood to verify who they are, kind of like in Gattaca, um, if you've seen the movie. Such a good movie. Um, definitely watch that. Um, and and that's it, also yeah, a, um, that's also a futuristic movie. Yeah. Of course, pretty. It's weird things in it. Like 
Like what? At first, it's weird. At first, that movie was, it was all sci-fi, but now most of it is reality, which is really cool and creepy yeah. and scary. But anyway, that's that's a whole other topic. Um, so yeah, so I think it's just showing the difference between the poor districts and the rich capital and showing that huge, drastic difference, like the whole 99% kind of thing, that whole idea comes into play. Okay. All right. Um, so moving on, <coughs> take her to... Uh, did we ever get Candace's mother's first name? I don't think so. I, I think it's just Miss Everdeen does. Okay. Uh, Miss Everdeen to the house, and um, she's done taking care of Gail. And um, I don't know. This I don't know why I wrote this, but this thing really frustrates me. Katniss blurts out, "Can you save him?" And she says nothing. And her mother says nothing as she rings up the clock. Okay. Um, so I I don't know why that really. It, Bother me. She she says, "Can you save him?" That I wrote on the note. You can't save everyone. Okay. So maybe I don't know why that. Now, did you I think that down, or maybe I was thinking just sort of like maybe it was like discussion we had before that Katniss has this need to protect everybody, and then mm-hmm. like in order to protect someone, you have to save them. But but also that could be like that emotional connection to Gale. But also, the reason these people are getting her is because she was in the Hunger Games. She she can't control that she was in the games, but at the same time, that's the reason they're getting her, is because she is in the limelight. So, um, but I don't know. I kind of like that she was saying, you know, out of desperation and, like, love, that can you save him? Like, that's just a very real thing to say, like... She wouldn't be like, all right, I'm going to get this and that. You're not thinking logical. Like, you're just, you're, you're trying to hold on to that's them. That's the thing, too. She's, she's not the kind of person to not think logically, then. Yeah, but she's not going to be like, all right, so I'll go get a bucket of ice. You can take care of him. Why? He's screaming in agony. Or, or he's probably knocked out at this he's point, right? Out. Okay. He's not cold. <laughs> he's not cold. He's not screaming. <laughs> but you're not, when someone you love is hurt, you're, you're not thinking logically. I mean, I can't think of someone that's going to be logical. All right, well, you're hurt. Why don't you just hold on a minute, and I'll go get the medication right. and put I'm the stitches in. Like, I'm just saying it's completely out of character for her. I don't think it is. Uh, because, are you serious? Okay, for instance, this wasn't in the book, but it's in the movie, so kind of not great support, but it just popped in my head. When she hears the cannon fire, when Peta and her are hunting, when he jokes, I'll take the bow. He's like, just kidding, that scene. And she comes back and she's like, damn you, Peta, I thought you were dead. Like, you know, like, she does, she does care. She's not a wooden board. Like, you know, she does have emotions and cares. Like, you know, that was a moment, just an example of like, she's not thinking logically. Like, I mean, she's kind of just like, just looking at him and she just hugs him and she just holds him like an example of she, she just cares and she's just trying to hold on. And that's what she's doing with Gail right now. Good, good, good. Stop hitting that. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. Um, and then again, uh, for the rest of the few pages, she just rambles on about her mother, how her mother is so great, and she's in her element, which is taking care of people, which is really annoying. Because well, it's it's quite it's a just, change from the last book exactly, that her mother has gotten talk so about, She didn't talk about her mother. Um, yeah. She kind of just in denial, just doesn't really yeah. talk. Not denial, but just... And this one, this one's actually funny. Um... Her mother's debating that whether to give Gail this type of medicine. I think it's a, um... Oh, it's a sleep type of medicine. Okay. Um, like a NyQuil or yeah. something. and she goes, just give him the medicine. I scream at her. Give it to him. Who are you anyway to decide how much pain he can stand? Uh, the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote on the note, shut up, control your emotions. 
<laughs> Which is kind of going against what you said, how, like, if she's in that state of desperation, she doesn't really know what she's thinking or what she's doing. Right. Because she cares so much about Gail. And she does. You know, this is an example of her caring. Right. You know, on some level, whether it's romantic, um, friendship, whatever. Yes. Um, and then, in all this time, the doorbell rings, and oh. Madge comes. Oh, we have company. Yes. So, um, she Which, gives... oh, man. Oh, you know what? Say your thing, and then I'll say my well, thing. Go ahead, say your thing. Okay. So, the whole thing, some people ship... Like, which means, like, romantic, romantically. I'm explaining it to the listeners. I may not know. <laughs> the young listeners. Um, which means that people think that these two people are together romantically. Or that they should be. Um, so, some people have said that Madge and Gail... Sorry. Okay. That Madge and Gail um, should be together or were together or something. Um, what do you think about that? Say something. I don't know. What did I think? Anything. Uh, this would be a great time to have Mariah right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mariah. We miss you. Uh, no, it's okay. She ditched us. No. Uh-huh. No. She <laughs> had a competition today. She didn't ditch us. Uh-huh. Um, what do I think about that? I, I, I don't really know because, like, I can't put a face to Natch because I can't really, like... Yeah. I, we know so little about her. But I don't know. Get, I like the idea get, of them together. Get, we know so much about her. <laughs> it's so crazy. This is the point I was gonna make. Okay. I was saying that like she, the like the subtle things <laughs> that she does, like the little things, like giving the Mockingjay pin to Katniss, and then and she hands Katniss a cardboard, cardboard, a cardboard box, and in it contains morphine, which is a uh, painkiller medication from the capital. So how is that knowing about her? She's a nice person. No, how, but what it's, else? Like, it's sort of like. She, I wrote that, like, she is, like, the true face of everybody. Like, she initiated... She's not the face. No, no, but, like, she... You keep in- saying that. She's, like, she initiated this rebellion. And, like, yes. so many subtle aspects. She, I feel like she had this all planned out. And, like, really? Yes. Like, she knew she was getting Katniss the Mock J. Pin, and that, like, she knew Katniss was going to take it this far, and that, like, this rebellion was going to start. I, I... Like, this whole thing is so amazing. Like, how this little character can have such a major impact on this entire series. So and you that, like this whole thing of Madge giving her the pin? Yeah. You're, you're a, you're oh a fan God. of that. Madge. Now that I realize it, like, Madge... Because we, we had this conversation before, whether Madge... Plan this out or not. I feel oh, like you I, weren't this adamant about it. No, but now you are. No, All so of a sudden, you're, hey, Madge, I love it. Because <laughs> I'm like, I think about it, I'm like, wow, this this girl actually, like, started the rebellion. Like, she actually, I mean, it's a nice thought, she, but I don't think it's real. I think, it, I think it's a possibility. We can ask Suzanne Collins. Um, All right. Um, just make that list of questions for her. No, because I just seriously think that, like, this... Know. Because Katniss would have never done something like this. No, but like I think because, I think all the yeah. all the things just fell into place and it just kind of happened. But I seriously think Madge planned part of it. I think after her becoming close to Katniss, like they were sort of friends, really. I mean, they but were I friends because they didn't have any I friends. Over over analyzing Madge, I think she had a good sense of character and a good judgment on real on knowing who Katniss is, and that being Katniss chosen for the reaping. Madge was going to give her the Mark J pin because she knew that Katniss was going to initiate this outbreak. Okay. So, I well, just, listeners, why don't you email in and say your thoughts, whether Madge planned it all out or it just kind of happened. Like, she... I, I don't it's know. It's so mind-boggling, though. A little bit. Because, like, Susan Collins just, like, initiate this character who such, plays such a small role mm-hmm. in the books, 
and then she dies. And, and we don't yeah. even really get but, an answer. But then again, oh, you know what would be great? What? If someone, like, a part of a companion thing wrote, like, the diaries of, like, Snow, President Snow, or, like, a mm-hmm. match. So, well, like, we kind of said that before, the perspective of Snow. Right, right. I mean, that, I think it would be better in a diary format. But, okay, yeah, right. you know. Um, I, and then for them to not include her in the movie, <coughs> because I just think that, like, it's such a major impact. Right, but I think it's good that we don't have these certain things in the movie because that makes the books, like, sacred in a way. You know what I mean? Like, you said that, yeah. It just, it keeps the integrity of the book that it's like, oh, well, you could just see the movie. It has everything. It's like you're missing things from the movie, which I like, you know? Yeah. So, um, moving on from that. That was um, a long, long discussion here. Sorry. No, no, it's it's good. We're doing a good it's job. Kind of, we have, like, two pages left. All right. And, um... So again, they go on to this big discussion, and um, Peter says, I didn't even know Madge knew Gil. And uh, Katniss responds, we used to sell her strawberries, I say almost angrily. What am I angry about, though? Not that she has bought the medicine, brought the medicine, surely. I think she's angry about the fact that um, Madge was able to have a more helpful impact on Gail than Katniss could. Like, she can help him, and Katniss can't. Right. And I don't think Katniss likes that. No. She, she gets protective over her young cubs. <laughs> Even though like, they're the same age. That's, that's another interesting thing, too. Do you think Katniss is sort of the person that, like, she doesn't like to be a lead... Obviously, she doesn't like the leadership thing. She has to be pushed into it. But do you think she likes to have control of situations? And, like... I mean, who doesn't? I, I mean, I don't know what I... It makes sense in my head. But I just can't a lot of things do, Matt. Like, I'm trying to say... <laughs> She she she's upset because she can't help Gail, but Madge could. And Madge yeah. doesn't know Gail as much, but Katniss cares more about Gail. Well, she's feeling like Worse, she's. Like, I mean, she's not overstepping her boundaries because obviously he needs that, but she just feels like that's her role, and Madge is kind of like taking it. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Okay. Oh, no, this is an interesting thing. Uh, while Katniss is sitting with Gail, holding hands with him while he's asleep. She envisions um, Gail taking the place of Rory in the Hunger Games at the Reaping. Which is Gail's younger brother. Yes, and then uh, Gail try- falling in love with this girl, stay alive, then coming home with her, living next to her, proposing to marry her. So essentially, she's, she's thinking... the position. Right. And so she says, the hatred I feel for him, for the phantom girl, for everything is so real and immediate that it chokes me. So now she can start understanding where Gail's coming from. And then she just looks out, Gail is mine, I am his. Ooh. Which is like, really? What? <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote that, really? What? <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would she... I mean, she cares about him, but... You can feel protective over someone. Like, you can feel not protective, like, clingy and, like, um... What would you call that? When it's, like, your mind, like, um... Off-limits kind of thing. <clears throat> I think she just feels like, I like, we're together, kind of like, no one else can have him. He's mine. Yeah. That she doesn't want someone else in his life. But then, on the same token, she has to understand that he's got to feel the same way, so she, she shouldn't have anyone else in her life. Right. Not that she can really help that Peta and her are, you know, have relations because of the games, yeah. but, you know. And then she says, because I'm selfish, I'm a coward. I'm the kind of girl who, when she might actually be of use, would run to stay alive and leave those who couldn't follow to suffer and die. This is the girl Gail met in the woods today. No wonder I won the games. No decent person ever does. 
Peter won. I wrote two that. He's decent. I wrote two that. <laughs> yeah, but Peter won, and he's a decent guy. You know? I don't know. I mean, she did all the work to get them there kind of thing, but and he kind of just stayed alive. Right. But... Um, okay, moving on. Uh, the last final thing is that um, I rest my head forward on the edge of the table, overcome with loathing for myself. Um, I wish I had died in the arena, wishing Seneca Crane had blown me to bits the way President Snow said he should have when I held up the berries. Um, so, <coughs> I'm waiting for you. So, what do you think that means? Like, do you think that Katniss really believes that she was meant to die and that, like, she should no. have died? Or is she just thinking that because right now someone's suffering because of her? Is she just the like, second one. The second one. She's just, she's feeling like, what do you call that? When you're moping around the house, you're feeling bad. You're feeling sorry for yourself. And you're like, you know, like, I don't deserve to live. And, like, she's just in one of her moods kind of thing. Where it's like, I, I mean, obviously, her feelings and emotions are justified after everything she's gone through. Right. But, you know, on the other hand, it's like, you know, push through this because you're alive. Make the best of it. And she's uh, sort of doing that. But she, you know, she's got to keep protecting people and I don't, know, I, I don't think she's actually like suicidal at this point I think in Mockingjay we start seeing that more right. where there's times where you know it's like the Nightlock Barry's not not Barry the Nightlock um, pill oh. is there it's kind of like you know screaming her name like take me take me but I think at this point she's still kind of strong she still has a will to live in things that she you know needs to accomplish. Going off topic, if um, Katniss was from another district and she could, like, had a decent, like, a good amount of money and she was well off. Like District 2 or something? Yeah, do you think she would go to, would you think she'd be the cover to, like, go to a therapist or a psychologist about, like, she's in this exact same No. She wouldn't be that kind of, you don't think, what if, like, she was forced to? If she was forced to? I mean, she's not the kind of person to just open up to someone, a complete stranger. But, do you think it was sort of like if everyone like it was sort of like an intervention type thing like her mother and her sister and Peta and Hamish and Gail were there. She might go for her sister. I that would be the one person that would convince her to go that she would see like you know what you made it through the games and I want you to be better I want you to be around for you know when I go to school whatever it is they do in whatever district now they're in but um this is just hypothetically yeah there. hypothetically if they're in district two or whatever um. She wouldn't just go, like, hey, mom, I'm going to go see a therapist. Like, that would not happen. She would have to be forced into it, or Prim would have to really, really convince her. Because, as you said, she doesn't open up to people. She really has minimal amount of friends before the games. She had Gail, Prim. Her mom was not really a friend. She was just kind of a body. And she had Madge just as a default because she didn't actually have friends. That's who she would sit with at lunch or whatever, or when they had social gatherings at school that that's default, that they both didn't have friends, so they would kind of, you know, right. they were attracted to each other. So, no. And also, that's my answer. <laughs> I also think that even if she did go to the council, the council told her to do these things, because of Katniss's biased, like, closed-minded concept, perspective, she wouldn't really listen to the counselor. No. However, I'm contradicting myself when I say this, because in the third book, Katniss did go to someone. 
She did because remember she says when she gets all stressed and she can't fathom thoughts, she says stuff. My name is Katniss Everdeen. I'm from District 12. She starts some basic stuff. And right, but that's goes, not it's telling a, it's a, someone. No, it's not telling. You someone. just said she talked I, to someone. I feel like she did because she, when she gets stressed out, she tells herself these things. But that's her like coping mechanism. Is like, but all right, I'm she okay. That on her own though. I think so. We I, we all pick I up things. Know, I seriously feel like someone taught her to do that. Like she went to go. She went to someone to talk to her. About I, I don't think so. I mean, how does she have time to go to a therapist on all this? You know what I mean? Like she's, She goes, so she starts, my name is Candace Everdeen. I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm from District 12. I survived the Hunger Games, like the Capitol once. The capital and then she adds, PETA is, you know, yeah, and, uh, locked away. And she, like, she goes from basic, and then she gets more complex. That's how she like organizes her thoughts in the third book. I think she just kind of adapted that. It's a survival thing. I mean, I could be wrong. I probably just... I haven't read the third book. No, it's an, it's an interesting so. way to think, but no, I don't think that's right. <laughs> no, <it's your> wrong. <laughs> that's interesting, but it's wrong. <laughs> um, so, just uh, close off the chapter. Um, basically, she um, <coughs> says that she's going to stay beside Gail. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay right here and cause all kinds of trouble. And Gail says, me too. And then he falls back asleep. So he, like, woke up and then... Yeah. Knock out Because she kissed him and he fell. He woke up. Oh, you didn't mention that. That's kind of important. I don't know if she kissed him on the cheek or she... she yeah, but wasn't him. that a thing that, like... She says, I'm so sorry, I whisper, I lean forward and kiss him. Okay. All right, Maybe well... Maybe it's, like, on the cheek or forehead. I think it was his lips because it was kind of a big deal later on. But we can get to that when they talk about it later. Okay. Nice. That was probably our longest chapter chat oh. other than the first episode. Remember the first episode, I how long I it was? I that... But that was yeah. good, because we did a lot of spin-off. Um, so, right, so, because of like the long... No, that was really good. Long. No, it was good. Um, the only thing is, now we don't have time for extra segments. So, oh, we'll shoot. have to save those for another episode. All right. But we can definitely do Capital Opera. Okay. And we have a little tiny thing of a mail, because I had a feeling it would be a long episode. But, cutting two yeah. segments out. Oh, this was a good fanfic, too. We're, we're using it next time. It's okay. okay. It's okay. Right. Sorry, guys. You can yell at me later. No, it's fine. All right. All right, so you so, get to do another segment. Another segment. So, uh, Capital Opera, you guys know how the deal goes. I just pick, oh, well, sometimes Kira picks one. Uh, we pick a song that relates to actually the whole series now, since it's an open book, so to speak, type <laughs> thing. Um, so this week, I selected Just Breathe by Anna Nalik. So let's go. Cause you can't jump the track with like cars on a cable And life's like an hourglass glued to the table No one can find the rewind button boys So cradle your head in Get it all down on paper It's no longer inside of me 
threatening the life it belongs to. And I feel like I'm naked in front of the crowd, 'cause these words on my diary screaming out loud, and I know that you'll use them however you want to. All right, so I just want to make one point clear, guys. Whatever I say or Kira Mariah says, it's not how the song is actually portrayed in our games. Like, th this is basically the free way. You can take it however you want. So, like, what my perspective is on the song can be, can be completely different than what Kira says. Yeah, and we've had that a lot of right. times that, like, we've had differing views. And it's interesting. Like, the That's Little Bird the point, song yeah. by Ed Sheeran, I think we all had different perspectives on that. So... Um, my perspective on this is it really doesn't apply to a direct character in the series. Just it, an overall I arching think, theme? I'm trying to talk. I'm just giving you some words. Well, I already know what I'm going to say. All right. Take um, it away. It actually applies to all the tributes who go through the Hunger Games. Basically, okay. the main point of this is going to be just breathe, which is to relax, calm down, just take it all in and not be able to freak out about this. Um, actually, what I thought about is the main quote I liked about this was that <laughs> there's a light at the end of each there's a light at each end of this tunnel so the way I saw it was that you have two lights at the end the person the tribute for example is standing in the darkness of the tunnel you either have two options you won you be the victor and you go you turn around in the song it says if only you try turning around you turn around you go back into the life you were in or the other end of the tunnel is the light to um afterlife basically because okay, you're going to die that's how I saw it um Also, I liked how she read, said in the song, because these words are my diary screaming out loud. So, essentially, that's basically, in Anna's perspective, it's her thoughts. Um, she's putting everything down on paper and getting it all out of her system. Um, you can hear you rubbing the paper, just so you know. So, I don't know why. I just liked that. I just liked that line because it has a lot of meaning to it. and saying A lot that, of inner voice. Sort of saying that things like, um, whatever, if you're put into that perspective, the capital's eye of the capital, you put in that eye, the public eye, mm -hmm. nothing is really sacred to you anymore. Like, you have no privacy. Yeah. Which, kind of like, um, and I feel like I'm naked in front of the crowd, like, yeah. kind of an obvious thing. I always choose obvious things. <laughs> I'm not very deep. So that's my take on it, and that's actually a really good one. That yeah, one. that was good. So... Um, just adding on to the tribute perspective, um, the quote, but you can't jump the track, we're like cars on a cable, um, that they really don't have anything that they can make their own decisions by. They are kind of stuck, and they, the capital's kind of forcing them, they've made this track for them, and all they can do is follow it. They can't, you know, all they can do is follow the steps to get into the games, then either die in the games or get out. And life's like an hourglass glued to the table means that you your time is your time will essentially run out and it all depends on how much sand is actually in that hourglass, which how much time you have. And how it's glued to the table. You can't you can't move it, you can't dump it to get more time. You know how like an hourglass you can dump it so yeah. it keeps going? Yeah, like Wizard of you Oz. Can't do that. And, like once the yeah, sand in the hourglass ran out, she died. Yeah. And she can't move it. I'm oh, sorry, that was a no, really no. bad reference, but it no, was it's good because it's yeah. Um also kind of All mine kind of relate to the tribute thing. Um, no one can find the re rewind button now. How they're they're stuck. They can't they can't go back to their homes or districts and all and their family. They're stuck in the present. And 23 out of 24 don't make it out. 
Well, in this case, it was 22. Well, a little special case. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was hoping you would notice. Um, So, um, I know you questioned the songs, but... I think it actually Yeah, no, I, really well. I, I love the song, but I was, I was listening. I was just pointing out lyrics that I liked, but I was like, I don't see where he's going with this. And then you had your little spiel. I was like, all right, I'll just apply it to your thing. <laughs> so. All right. Is there anything else you have to say? One little thing. Okay. Uh, the quote, it's not an exact quote. I kind of just took the meaning of it. Um, and these mistakes that you make, the, these mistakes that you made, you'll just make them again. Um, I feel like this applies to many of the characters, once again of them making the same mistakes over and over, of, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, I mean, obviously, Heyman's keep drinking. That's a mistake <laughs> over and over. You're looking at me really weird. Um, you're like, <laughs> um, can you think of, <laughs> can you think of any more examples for me? What are you trying to say? That, the quote, and these mistakes that you made, you'll just make them again. Oh, capital keep putting... Keep killing kids. That's a mistake. That's Keep making them mis- again. Okay. Kira, that's not... Right. In, in your eyes, it's a mistake. Yes. In the chapel science, it's tradition. So how can a tradition be a mistake? Well, they need to start a new tradition because it's deadly. It's a good question. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> is tradition a mistake? Like, if if something goes against your beliefs, <laughs> your ethics and morals, but it's someone else's tradition, is it really a mistake? But, like... In our world, can you give me an example in our world? Because this is so beyond us. <laughs> See, exactly. Like, I, the question doesn't just, really apply I, I, to I, real life. I'm just saying that, like, there's just so many, like, you can't really, like, make a comparison. Can you make a comparison to the story, The Lottery? No. Okay, I will. Um, <laughs> that, because that was a completely different era. Okay, I'm just saying, the tradition, their belief was that they had to pick someone out of a box. Not, no, sorry. Pick names out of a box. It's very, uh, it connects to the Hunger Games a lot. The story of the lottery. It's a short st- story. Oh my god, now that you think about it, yeah. By Shirley something, I believe. Totally pulling this out of my head. Um, so, basically the story is about a little town, which is, I believe... Remote. Right, remote. But it's, um, like in previous times, in the past. But we, we're not completely sure, we're just guessing. But the Hunger Games, we could have said this was in the past, but it's we all assume it's the future. So, basically the story, they have kind of like a reaping, they pull someone's name out, and that person they stone to death. For It's supposed to initiate good luck for the harvest. Right. So that's exactly. a tradition, and that's their morals, ethics, whatever. It's their tradition. I, you, you could even classify that as part of their religion of some sort. So, can you use that for and say your question again and really Right. That? So right now we think that's a mistake, but at the time that was tradition. Right. So. That's so what was question. the question? So that, is that you, if can so, you if, stop? If someone's tradition is someone's tradition necessarily a mistake? Because it just depends on the perspective, though. Like you're saying that the Hunger Games is a mistake because the cap. You said the capital keep reaping children is a mistake, but yeah. in the capital's perspective, in their eyes. It is a tradition. Okay. So, is it a mistake? Um, like, can tradition necessarily be a mistake? I think yes, because looking back, looking back on the lottery, for instance, the story we just talked about, you would say that was a mistake, right? That they shouldn't have done... Not necessarily a mistake. The word mistake is screwing okay. me up. 
um, re- regretful that they shouldn't have done that. That that's not something they should have done. I don't believe done. they shouldn't have done it because it's only it's what they knew. It's what they were brought up knowing. <coughs> it's what they've been doing for the past. I don't know. I don't remember. So you're saying if you years. could go back in time to that era or well, yeah, I mean, if you, we have to go back in time, I have, would have a completely different mindset. I guess. Like I said, it's a remote location. Just as it's just a weird question, and I can't is, wrap my brain around it. It's like it's just a remote location. You really don't have any access to outside. Worlds. Worlds. I guess it shows you the power of influence. You know? Alright. Okay. I don't really know where we went with that. We just rambled on. Yeah, that was just All right. one. Alright, mock and them. So, uh, this is our final segment for today because we ran a little bit longer. I'm sorry. A little bit. Um, so, mock and them is where we read and respond to your listener emails, tweets, and Facebook posts. So, mostly emails. We mostly. very rarely do the rest. And send us an email if you're going to contact us. The rest are annoying. Yeah, so yeah, you can send us an email or about your feedback. You can send us your feedback to uh, podcast.gmail.com and your email may even be read on the show. So since we're running short on time, we'll just read one, which is kind of a snippet. Um, Amber sent us a clip of H. Sorry, Hunger Games Bad Lip Reading, which is quite funny because Did you watch Matt... It? Yes, I watched it. Was it funny? It was yes. so funny. So Matt actually, we had school the day we got this email, and he said something about it, and then literally like an hour and a half later or something, Amber sent this to me. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I watched it, and she said, ha ha, oh boy, you guys have to watch this. So basically what it what it is is that... Well, you want to... Okay, you want to explain it, and then we'll play a clip? Yeah. Uh, no, we can't really play a clip. Why not? I can, we can post it because it's a lip reading. We'll post it on the website. All right, fine. Um, What you have to do, by the way. Basically, what it means, what it what it does, what they do is that they take scenes from movies and they put like their own spin on it. Like they take the audio out and they just do it based on reading lips. And it's really accurate. So like, one of them was like cat. The scene where cat is screaming at her mother, saying like, "Mom, answer me. Mom, don't don't shut me out." That kind of thing. Mom, talk to me. And sort of like. um, he barfed on the cell like a pig, and the police ate Timothy. <laughs> and then they're sitting, and then they're sitting in the cave, and Peter goes, "Give me a good, give me a good time." Katniss goes, "Gross." Peter says, "Please." And so they kiss. Peter goes, "And that's how babies grow." And Katniss goes, "You've got to be kidding." <laughs> so, and then the, the final one was, um, there. Katniss is talking to Prim, trying to like, calm her down about the reaping. Katniss goes. Face it, you're the devil. And he goes, no, no, like that really deep voice. It was so yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll post that on the website. Okay. I was going to play a clip, it. but yeah, we could just skip that. Yeah, because you, it's better if you watch it. Yeah, otherwise it's kind of pointless. Like you're just listening to funny audio, which is kind of It's weird. so random. It's so... It is funny. It, it's funny. funny if you like that random stuff, which usually I don't. It's like random, like, pudding, who that <laughs> weird... Okay, see, you find that funny. I kind of <laughs> don't. The laugh you did was funny. Oh. Ooh. Okay. All right, so... Uh, plug us away. All right, so if you're interested in starting your own website over at squarespace.com, there's a two-week trial for you because you are a Nightlock podcast listener. So turn on your very own website, including your own domain name, such as .com. Email us, host, at nightlockpodcast.gmail.com. You can also email us any other comments about this episode or previous ones. Just shoot us an email. Again, that is nightlockpodcast at gmail.com. You can also click the contact form on our website, nightlockpodcast.com, and fill it out there. Whatever is easy for you. Say it really fast, yeah. So like us on Facebook. Wait, let me start again. 
Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Pod. P-O-D. And subscribe us on iTunes. You can find all those links on our website, netlockpodcast.com. Our website has new additions, so go on that. It's netlockpodcast.com. Oh! I kind of messed it up at the end. That but good anyway. Though. All right. So I also wanted to mention, um, we have a few new affiliates that I definitely want you guys to check out. Um, flickermanfire.webs.com. Um, our friend Hunter over there runs that website. Um, it's not Flickerman, it's men with an E, and then hyphen fire.webs.com, just to be clear. And it's also on our website. You can go on affiliates and just scroll until you find him. You could click it. That's probably easier. Um, so yeah, check his website out. Um, he's brand, brand new ish, kind of like a month old maybe. Um, and also the site. Um, real or not real Hunger Games, um, their actual web address is R-O-N-R, hungergames.jimdo.com. Um, another cool Hunger Games site. Um, I'm going to check them out. All right, so book recommendations. Guessing you don't have one, so I'll take it away. Can I'll I recommend a short story? Sure. Do you want to go first? Or? No, you can go first. Okay. I have to go through the short stories in my head. Okay. Um, you could do something that we read in English, That's possibly. That's okay. <laughs> Don't do the weasel one, though. <laughs> I'm Please. About it. All right, go ahead. All right. So, um, before I've mentioned, and actually I mentioned it on the episode today, The Maze Runner, um, when we were talking about, uh, book franchises or book series and stuff, I mentioned it. Um, I just read the second book, uh, The Scorch Trials by James Dashner. Huh? Maze Runner Dashner. He's like, Dash. Anyway. Um, so the Scorch Trials are, <laughs> makes funny face. The Scorch Trials, um, are a follow-up book to the Maze Runner. And I'll kind of just explain what the Maze Runner is about, because if I describe what the Scorch Trials are about, it's going to kind of ruin the first book. So, um, it's... Did you it, explain what the Maze Runner was before? Did I? I feel like you've done that book. Well, I have in a previous episode. I'll mm-hmm. just give you a basic rundown. It's, it's similar to The Hunger Games because it is... A dystopian society, and it's also in the future. So you've got both of that going for you. It's being turned into a movie, so you want to jump on that right away. Um, and it's about this. Hop on that train. <laughs> hop on that train. Or elevator, because the boy, uh... the main guy, is put in an elevator, and all of a sudden he wakes up, and he has no memory of anything. And he's put into this um, little little society, very small. There's, like, um, maybe 60 boys, and they have to figure out kind of, like, how to survive, and they have a whole system going. But um, there's these walls, and they open, and outside of them is a maze. And so these um, things called grievers, um, which are, like, slugs, but they're, like, kind of mechanical at the same time, um, will attack boys. Um, and so they're trying to kind of fight for their survival and trying to figure out this maze. And it's a really good book. Um, and it's also kind of little under my reading level. Um, I would suggest it for older people in middle school, but it's a really great book, so it really keeps you hooked um, for high school, too, and even college, you know? But, yeah, you can definitely read it if you're in middle school. It's not a very hard um, reading level. All right. So I'm going to recommend a short story. Okay. It's actually uh, Fish Cheeks by, what is it? Uh, shoot, Amy, Amy. I can get it out if you want it. Yeah. Okay, you talk about it. All right. I don't remember the author. So basically, uh, this is a short story. Maybe it goes about a page. I read it uh, last year in AP English, and then we read it again this year in ours English. And uh, basically what it talks about, it goes on this story about an Asian-American girl. She uh, has this mad crush on a the preacher's son. And um, they 
her family invites his family over for a Christmas dinner, and she's so embarrassed. She goes, as soon as they found out that he was coming for dinner, she went to her bedroom and cried. And she always desires Amy Tan. That was it. Um, by Amy Tan. Um, and she always desires to be socially accepted, to have the social conformity of a typical American society, not to be embarrassed by her family. And um, at the end, um, her mother tells her that she needs to accept who she is and to always not have the perfection of an American society. And then at the end of the story, she finds Not that an American society has perfection, yeah. but... But um, to this character, to Amy, she it does. Okay. Because she says she, um, she wants to have... <laughs> The slim American nose is what she said. Um, and at the end of the story, she finally realizes that for Christmas dinner, her mother had made her all her favorite foods. But that she was embarrassed by. She was embarrassed by all her food, so she was embarrassed by her culture. But you don't really need to read it because matches some whole thing up. No, it's it's good writing piece. Um, yeah, you should look I mean, it up. Amy you can Tam, probably Google it and read yeah. the whole thing. Amy Tam's written some really amazing stuff. Um, she talks a lot uh, she it's she goes along a lot about her previous on her own personal experiences she wrote a story about um her getting the chase i think was one of them where um she they were throwing snowballs her and a few friends at cars the guy got out of the car and started chasing them hmm. and then it was like it was all all during the chase she stop it all during the chase she's like thinking about things so it's really good she has a lot of good life meetings in her stories again that's amy tan fish cheek that's so, the title piece, yes. So, that is a wrap for today. It was a good episode. That was very I good think episode. that's that's one to put we in the favorites. <laughs> we don't need her. <laughs> <laughs> she drags us down. Um, so, I think we're all set then. If you guys want to give us your feedback, like you said, uh, like podcast at gmail.com. Kira does that stuff. So, she does everything. <laughs> um, you send the audio clips yeah, for the music. For over. Um, so, we will see you guys. Yeah. yeah. We'll see episode. you for the next uh, October episode. All right. So, all Bye. right. Bye. Before the hilarious bloopers, I just wanted to let you listeners know about a Hunger Games event coming up. It's called The Hunger Runs, which is an adventure race like no other. It is designed with obstacles and challenges guaranteed to test your strength and endurance. You'll compete to win an insane 5K course. So whether you want to take on the challenge of finishing atop your wave or just like to enjoy a day of obstacles with your friends, the Hunger Runs is plenty for everyone. The Hunger Runs is holding its first ever premier entertainment 5K obstacle course consisting of archery, wall climbing, spear tossing, and even balls of fire. So run the distance, shoot your way to victory, and win the Hunger Runs. This race will take place Saturday, January 12th in Santa Clarita, California. Being a Nightlock Podcast listener, you can use discount code HUNGERACTIVE and save 20% off. So to use this, go to HungerRuns.com. Um, most recently in Wrong Turn at Teho, um, he played Thug 2, so that's not very important. That was done the same. Alright, so, um, okay, so... I'm sorry, I did like, can you cut that out? Like, can you cut that out? I made that real of you saying, can you cut that out? Could, could, could you cut that out? <laughs> oh, could, could you cut that one out too? Yeah. <coughs> anyway. Alright, you ready? Oh, I thought I hit it. <laughs> oh my god, I get all happy when I hear that because it's usually at a wedding. <laughs> it's like, god, I want to get married. Alright, anyway. <laughs> Alright, now let's go.
Right now. Hey, baby, think I want to marry you. And uh, I know you actually can't sing. I really can't. Just that on key. Like. Yeah. Well, I've never had lessons, so, you know. <laughs> this is all about I can lessons. sing in all these weird voices. <laughs> like, you just hear me in the shower doing accents or weird. <laughs> you get me so distracted. <laughs> it was like the log flu. <laughs> You like your vlog, you're like, because <laughs> <laughs> you're making me laugh. I know. <laughs>